0: Shalom, welcome to another episode of Inspiration from Zion. I'm Jonathan Feldstein, and I have the privilege of being your host, coming to you from the Judean Mountains here in Israel. I like to refer to it as the original Bible Belt. Inspiration from Zion is a program of the Genesis one Foundation, whose mission is to build bridges between Jews and Christians, and Christians with Israel in ways that are new, unique, and meaningful. I pray that you will find this, all of those. Through this program, we're excited to connect you to people and stories in and related to Israel to give you a window to look through experiencing aspects of life here that you might not otherwise know about. We want this to be interactive, so please be in touch with us at inspirationfromzion@gmail.com at and send along any questions and any comments about any topic, any time. Or you can reach us at genesis123.co or follow and like Inspiration from Zion on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Stay tuned until the end, where we're also going to share some exciting offers and opportunities for you, and please feel free to share this with other people who you know who will also find it of interest. This week's episode is timed specifically for Israel's observance of what we call Yom HaShoah, Holocaust Memorial Day. If you've been following Inspiration from Zion, you'll recall that back in January, we had another similar A podcast episode on the observance of International Holocaust Memorial Day. But Israel, for many, many years before there was an International Holocaust Memorial Day, has always had its own National Holocaust Memorial Day. As much as the decades have passed and so few Holocaust survivors are actually still alive among us, this part of our recent history as a Jewish people is forever emblazed as part of who we are. In Israel, we observe the day with solemn TV and radio broadcasts, telling stories of survivors among us. And during the day, we pause as an air raid siren is sounded throughout the entire country. Cars stop, buses stop, school ceremonies begin. And even in the modern day, Zoom meetings are paused as people stand at attention for two minutes silently and remember the 6 million Jews who were murdered. Today, we're doing something a little different to talk about the Holocaust through the eyes of a Lithuanian Gentile. We're going to discuss why it's important for non-Jews to remember the Holocaust and to do so through the prism of her life and career and a truly cathartic book, which I had the privilege of reading recently, Our People. Our guest today is Ruta Vanagaita. Ruta is a well-known Lithuanian producer, journalist, and author. Her best-selling book, Our People, was co-authored with with Israeli historian and Nazi hunter, Dr. Ephraim Zurov. It deals with the complicity of Lithuanians in the Holocaust and was published in 2016, but only translated into English in 2020. The book has been translated as of of recently into five languages. And as I mentioned, just came out two years ago in English. In October of of 2017, all of Ruta's books, uh, which included six, copy, six titles altogether, were removed from the bookshelves throughout Lithuania after her critical comment about one of the national heroes relating to the Holocaust. In June 2020, another book about the Shoah, about the Holocaust, was published in Lithuanian together with a top German historian, Dr. Christoph Deichmann. The book, How, you, How Did It Happen, came out in English last spring and i have a copy and i'm looking forward to reading that um ruta lived in israel for three years and has returned to lithuania and is working presently on another book ruta it is really a pleasure i feel like i know you so well having read the book and i feel like we're old friends but um by full disclosure we're only meeting and speaking for the first time today I feel
1: i know you
0: too wow living in
1: israel and you read my book (laughs)
0: <laughs> wow. Well, I, I I so enjoyed your book, and as we, I mentioned just before we started recording, my wife, I I, I my wife reads books voraciously, and 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 can read three, three books or four books for every book that I have time to read. And she especially has a an affinity for reading books about the Holocaust. So I knew when I was reading this that I had to bring it home and share it with her. And yesterday she she read it in a day so so i'm i'm really thrilled you're 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 part of our family in a sense um before we get into the book itself and 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 i'll uh, i'll I'll say it uh, again during the course of our conversation it's a very important book our people and i and i want to encourage people to get their own copy um but before we talk more about the book and the details and how it happened uh, talk a little bit about yourself your personal background um and how you came even to be be a be a Lithuanian aware of and caring about the Holocaust.
1: Uh you know what? Like I didn't, I didn't, I couldn't care less throughout my life, because I'm, as I say, I'm a product of uh, of uh, Soviet Lithuania, and we didn't have any education on this. So I think that there were, even though what the Holocaust was not heard, there were mm-hmm. we saw monuments to Soviet. Uh, peace-loving Soviet citizen, and nobody would tell you in, in school that they were Jews. And they were like slight, some moments in my family history when my mother or my father would tell something. It was my mother, for example, her best friend was a Jewish boy in the city called Ponevich, as you know. Yeah. Important city for the Jews. And that uh, little boy was uh, taken uh, with his family when my mother was 10 and he was 7. And he never came back. And what Another part of my family, my uh, uh, my aunt's uh, husband was uh, in the same city of Konevich. He was chief of police in 1941. And then he escaped to America and lived under under female name. But that was something about the Jews. There was something. The Jews disappeared or they were murdered, something. And only very late, when I was already 62, I think, I went into the special archive, or KGB archives, and started reading the files of my grandfather and other uh, other people who were involved in the Holocaust. And I came into shock. I thought that, like, I didn't know. My my family doesn't know. My children never been in modern Lithuania. They never been to the Holocaust Memorial site. They are not taking to excursions there. So it's like, it's there, but it's always hidden from us. So I have felt like a mission to to explore it for myself, for my children, for my friends. The only sad thing was that none of my friends, all of my friends said, we are not going to read this book. Why you are interested in Jewish tragedy? You should write about Lithuanian tragedies, about, uh, about uh, deportations, about war with the Russians. Are the Jews paying you? And uh-huh. that was very surprising to me. Very surprising. So, but I thought, okay, nobody's going to read that book. And my children told me, mom, nobody's going to read that book. But we see that it's very important for you to write. So you write maybe 10, in 20 years, somebody will read
0: it. The the book is called Our People. And beneath the the, the subtitle is Discovering Lithuania's Hidden Holocaust. At what point did you, did, did sort of things tip that from curiosity and disbelief to this passion, to this mission, to in fact discover Lithuania's hidden holocaust and why why did you refer to it as a hidden holocaust
1: well Lithuania didn't come with a subtitle it's like English publishers said hidden holocaust it's it's yes it is hidden it is hidden but people are consciously subconsciously uh, uh, refusing to to talk about it, to think about it I got very passionate when I realized that nobody wants to talk about it and people are full of prejudices that maybe if, you know, Hitler was killing the Jews, maybe Jews did something. Oh. Or somebody would tell that, you know, I mean, I knew that, like even now, I'll tell you one example. My neighbor said uh, that anybody could say, oh, this, uh, it is uh, Jewish uh, uh, Jewish uh, Easter, Pesach this weekend. That's why it's bad weather. Because everybody knew that if, if Christian uh, Easter and Jewish Pesach are at the same weekend, we're going to have bad weather. So you choose you are responsible for bad weather as well. So this is still there. This oh, is still this
0: there. Is a, this is something recent.
1: Yes, yes. And, you know, I thought, okay, nobody wants to know it. I want to know it. Okay. And maybe somebody else in 10 years, somebody is going to gonna, gonna uh, read this book. And, it will, you know, the thing is that they are historical books, in 20th, and our historians tell the truth. But they are so dry. And impossible to read, and I thought I want to write emotional book, so that people not only would know the facts, wow. but they would see the tragedy. They would see. see the eyes of the father who, 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 you know, whose son is murdered in front of him. It, my strong point that I I write emotionally, and I discover drama, and I can uh, uh, I can let people feel drama and see drama so this uh, is a dramatic book and that's why it became important
0: it's it's a very dramatic book on yeah. a number of levels and uh, and because the conversation i had questions and i have questions to to ask but it because it's unscripted you just made this incredible awareness now w- there are lots of reasons to study the holocaust to to uncover a hidden holocaust to acknowledge one's um uh one individual or a country or 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 a nations um uh, connection and history but it's funny that you something you just said because we were trigger t- speaking before about how much of my family is from poland and poland i don't know deliberately but has made quite a big business in holocaust tourism and and, and it's funny because your book it was a the book is essentially a month or or, or is it 40 days of you and dr zuroff traveling through lithuania and visiting these sites many of which are, are are physically hidden and unmarked and it would be would be so fascinating and and from a um i don't know from a business perspective but to get a lot of jews of lithuanian descent coming to to lithuania to follow the trail that you and dr zurov um uh, established to not hide it, but to actually un- understand it and and to add to that emotion. But still, but still, what you're saying is there's there's resistance, yes. And I don't uh, there's there's resistance to the to to the even acknowledging Lithuania Lithuania's history with the Holocaust. Well, but
1: it's only natural. In every Eastern European country, habits. In Poland as well, of course, mm-hmm. the Polish, I mean, because Auschwitz is, is the place which has overshadowed all the other places of the Holocaust. Right. So, because it's uh, because of the films, because it's so big, because it's so dramatic, and yeah. every, every other little place where, you know, maybe 20 Jews, maybe 2000, maybe 20,000 Jews, it's not as dramatic. Right. And it's it- much harder to reach, and it's much harder to organize who you just. Yeah. Think about somebody of Lithuanian of uh, uh, origin from Lithuania traveling to forty places. Why those forty? We have two hundred thirty places in Lithuania. Ah, correct, right? Uh, I haven't visited them all. I see. I haven't. So it's like, it's clumsy. It's difficult. It's 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 hard to organize. So we, people go to Auschwitz and fly home.
0: Interesting. Interesting. You also mentioned something uh, that that somebody said, or there's a thinking that if Hitler. Kill all the Jews. Then maybe there was something to it. Now, I, my curiosity is that I, I, I think of Lithuania now, thirty-year-old, modern, independent, democratic country. I don't even think of it in terms of its Soviet past, and and of course that's because I'm not Lithuanian. I don't. I I did. I've been to the Soviet Union, but I never was in Lithuania, and I don't think of it. Is it possible that because of Lithuania's um, desire still to push off its history and, and the, if you will, crimes, the Soviet crimes of the occupation there, um, that that people are more willing to be, uh, I don't know if gracious is the right word, but look the other way, And uh, that if Hitler was the enemy of the Soviet Union, and the Soviet Union was our enemy, then maybe there was something too positive to hitler is that at all way of thinking oh,
1: i don't think about the hitler i mean people don't think that hitler was anything positive but okay. I mean, that time they thought that uh, germans are less evil than than the soviet because of the soviet deportation but here it's like we don't know the jews we don't right. remember them they, you don't see it i mean i do, i think many people of younger generation haven't met a jew in lithuania because right. they are not there are Correct. three thousand Jews left out of out of uh, two hundred thousand, more than two hundred thousand, you know. So it's just not important. Uh-huh. And actually, thirty years—it's a very thin layer of democracy, of free thinking, of freedom of speech. Like, I mean, I don't want to sound like a v- victim or something, but when you know why the books—twenty-seven the thousand 27, copies of my books were removed from all the bookstores. And I thought, okay, it's independent, Lithuanian, free, it's free, it's democratic. It's a scandalous author, so some other bookstore would take it, some other publisher would take it. No, no. And still, you know, some That's book nice. some bookstores are taking my books, but some wouldn't because I'm too controversial. Something well. wrong with me, like it was something wrong with the Jews. Something wrong with me. They wow. don't remember what, but there is something not 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 quite right.
0: Well, we're gonna we're gonna get into that, but before we do. It's in the book, but can you recount, please, how it is that you came to be writing the book and specifically with Ephraim Zurov uh,
1: You know, there was a very simple reason. I, am, I didn't have money for the gas to go to so many places. And um, I get very easily lost in the woods. So I needed somebody to go with. So my first idea was like, take a, take a student, like some kind of, you know, history student that, you know, if I get stuck with with my car in the woods or in the, in the swamps, or I cannot find way out of the, of the woods because all the, this mass murder sites are in the woods. I just, I just like, I have to have someone with me. And he came as a miracle. He, I just met him and like thought, okay, maybe he would be interested. Maybe we can share the costs of, of the of the of the gas. And he a big man, he can he help me you know to, to take out my, my car out of the out of the woods. And also he's so interesting to talk and he knows so much. The only thing I was afraid of, I was afraid that he would be too aggressive. He would hate me as a Lithuanian, as a descendant of the perpetrators, and we're gonna fight all the time. So this might because he like he has an image of a very aggressive person who, you know, who would swipe, who would get rid of Lithuania and you know swipe it from the from the face of Earth. No, he's a nice person, he's a really nice and smart person. So I think it was just wonderful that we met.
0: So, but the, the, what you just mentioned in terms of his reputation, it's not a reputation uh, per, per se from anything that he's done, other than the fact that he's pushed the issue, and I believe it was discussed in the book, that maybe it was, I think he even acknowledged that he might have been too aggressive and too soon in Lithuania to approach it. But as I recall early in the book, you're you're speaking about where and how you first met and some agenda that he might have. It's wonderful for you to say now what a lovely and, and interesting person he is, but the sense is, and one of the things that I particularly liked about the book is you see the relationship evolving because early on you i don't know that you that he hated you or that you argued a lot, but there was certainly much more conflict it was certainly um i, I think even a, a a level of mutual distrust. is that correct Oh,
1: yes, of course, because look i mean what is the the, uh, the basis of anti-Semitism? We people who are, who think antisemitically, they don't think that Jews are weak people. Jews are strong. Mm-hmm. Jews are plotting. Jews are another form of devil. So you look at Ephraim. He's strong. He is so strong and we have to fight him. So it's, you know, his efforts, I think, uh, through 25 years in Lithuania helped antisemitism to stay. Because he's like typical, strong Jew, what we think about him.
0: He, so, he fed into the stereotype.
1: Yes, yes. And the same like is with me, I, you know, I have a Jewish nose or nose of the witch. So if I did something wrong, if I attacked the Usainian, uh national hero, I must be a witch. Because I fit that stereotype. If I would be nice, you know... Sweet little lady, little fat lady with little nose and sweet lips. Maybe that I wouldn't be, you know, hated so much in my country. The stereotypes are very, very important in the in the history and in the
0: human mind. In history and and despite th- thirty years being post Soviet, despite having access to the entire world and history. On everyone's phone, uh, f- at least for those who have. Uh, you, you, you're talking also about a country that's very rural, and a lot of people are um, are, are are not living in, in the most modern standards. But you're t- but but nevertheless, these stereotypes exist. And by his being there and being as aggressive as he was, uh, you're saying that that stereotype was um, was was strengthened or or reinforced and your association with it and therefore him yep. also created backlash for you was there a particular turning point in your relationship and how it evolved from what from perhaps more on the conflict and distrust to more understanding him as being who he is and being and, and actually being friends
1: you know what it was when we've we first place when we went, uh, we visited was uh, his ancestors' um, uh, village, Linkmenis, and we went to measure the site in the woods. And I saw him crying.
0: Ah!
1: When later in the book I wrote that friend cried, people were laughing. He said, "I mean, you can lie, you can tell us lies, but not that much." Zurov wow. is crying. He now no way, and he was crying plenty.
0: Yeah, you write so about I that thought, a few times. Yeah,
1: then I thought, this is a good man, and he really cares about his people.
0: His people being the Jews or Lithuania as well?
1: So, so, uh, sorry?
0: His pe- he cares about his people? No, being the
1: about his people, about the Jews, of course. But I mean, he started understanding, you know, some kind of, um, he started understanding how it happened. He understands that Lithuanians are not monsters. Something happened to the nation, something happened to the, there was a reason for this. And we talked plenty about that in the book and the role of Catholic Church and the role of education and the role and the people were so ignorant and the people had this envy and this anti-Semitism and a lot of lot a lot of lot of reasons we which I think he he, kind, he didn't fall in love with Lithuanians, but he starts thinking that these are people, these are two
0: people as well. Well, I think that he mentions in the book in your what's so nice is that the book is written conversationally a lot of it you you and he in the dialogue that that you had at various points but he mentions that one of the things I don't remember if it was attributing to his success until that point as a Nazi hunter is that it was never personal he he was he was just objective and dealing with facts and bringing people to justice but coming to Lithuania because his family was of lithuanian descent made it very personal and and i, and I don't know was it did, did was when he broke down and it was it was a few times at least that you recounted in the book did he not never do that before in poland or in other sites i don't know
1: i don't know i didn't ask him but i okay. think part of it was that we became very friendly and very open with each other so it seemed he became more emotional because he was like you got a lithuanian friend who was honest with him, was open with him, was supportive. So you cannot be enemy if you understand each other.
0: So do you think you, you the, the, the overall, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're the journalist and you're the historian and you've written the book, but I think that the story of the story, the, what, what happened in the Holocaust across Europe is not unique. I don't, there are unique aspects to it but but actually, it was his quote that I wanted to wait till the end, but the the one quote that I actually pulled out, with a quote of his from page 113, he says, the most horrific thing about the Holocaust is that these crimes were committed by normal people. Before the Holocaust, they were law-abiding citizens, and after the Holocaust, they were law-abiding citizens, but during the period of the Third Reich, they committed the most horrific crimes imaginable. Now that was true in Lithuania, but it was also true in Ukraine. It was also true in Poland. It was also true in, 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 uh, uh, you pick the country. So what do you have? I don't know if you spoke about it, but you mentioned that he saw Lithuanians as people was his understanding somehow different in Lithuania than what it was in all of the other European countries where he where he's been bringing people to justice over the years
1: well you know it was totally different story in every european country we went he was uh, um, communicating with the jews with local jewish community and then he was like he was never working or 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 getting friendly with local people Uh and trying to understand their point of view talking to them at length 40 days you know it's it's a long time you need to build that to build a, a friendship and a relationship, and like he just saw different perspective. Maybe he was him, he was meeting some people, but he was meeting as a, in the situations of accusation, the court, or situations like this. Some maybe some journalists, but not on the personal level. So this time, and of course, it was his. The, the, the Lithuania was a country where his ancestors came from. His, his grandparents from both sides. So it was also, I mean, all this together made him very, very human. And and, uh, actually, he he wasn't aggressive. And sometimes later on, when we were in certain situations where people were like, you know, not so friendly to him, I saw the old Zura. I saw how aggressive, how angry he can become. And sometimes they said, don't attack people if you expect them to understand your point of view. Don't attack.
0: Wow. So actually that leads uh, uh, to a fascinating question. At least I think it's fascinating. What do you, from your perspective, like? in hindsight, I would love to have the conversation with the two of you, but I already had a conversation with him Though we didn't speak about you per se. He just recommended the book and, and, and spoke highly of the of, of our conversation of, of, of my speaking with you. But, from your perspective what would you say the top one two or maybe even three things are that you you were able to help him realize well i think what you just said any sociology professor probably could have told him don't be aggressive because people will respond to you aggressively but it took you to say that and and from your perspective but you developed this warm very close relationship over 40 days that's not a short period of time what other things do you think that you helped him see that that were impactful?
1: I helped him to see that, uh, that they are, like I took him to the libraries, I took him to the archives, I saw him plenty of books of Lithuanian historians that are written about the Holocaust, that ah. he didn't know about. So he's, you know, because he has to cover all Eastern Europe, so he was not particularly knowledgeable about what local historians are doing. He knew about Jan Thomas Gross, of course, but I mean, those books are in Lithuanian, But they are like plenty. But normal people, ordinary people don't read them. So that's another thing. But I think that was important thing. And uh, and then that he realized, really that he realized that those people who are like making lists or or, or even murdering or convoying the Jews, they were like, They were not monsters. They were normal people. Not only, as he said, before the Holocaust and after the Holocaust. During the Holocaust, they were normal people. They just felt helpless. They felt that it's not them who is doing that. They felt that that somebody, you know, they're put in the position where they have to do something.
0: And you think that that was a realization that he got uniquely there with you as compared to his decades of... of other travels and and
1: yes and because the activities he did with me were different and they brought him different different perspectives and make him much softer much more understanding and i think you know he was even scared that this hap- is happening with him that he gets softer and gets less powerful in in continuing his fight and his search for, wow for I, I,
0: that that's fascinating that's that's a great comment i don't think i didn't take that away from from anything in the book, but that's fascinating. Um, let me just take a, a, a quick break. I wanna make an announcement and then I wanna come back and speak more about your personal experience. I want to pause on the conversation for just a moment to invite you to join us in one of the really incredible programs that we do as part of the Genesis One Two Three Foundation. This year, we have been going out all throughout the Judean mountains to show love to soldiers who are stationed keeping us safe from the threat of terrorism. It doesn't matter if we're in a burning heat wave or temperatures below freezing before the wind chill, they are out there guarding strategic points that have a high risk of terrorism. And thanks to the support of many people like you, we are pleased to bring them homemade hot soup in the cold of winter and cold drinks and sweet watermelon in the heat of summer. Any donation is meaningful and helps us to bless the soldiers. You can join us and donate at genesis123.co slash bless a soldier. That's genesis123.co slash bless a soldier. And when you do, you also have the opportunity to send along your own personal words of thanks and blessings to the soldiers guarding the land and protecting the people. Please join us. We've we, we spoken in the introduction, and you mentioned it in your own comments a, a few minutes ago, how all of your books were removed. And, and you, you actually had uh, threats against you to the, to the extent that people were worried about your, your life. Um, can you speak about that? And if there's anything in hindsight that maybe you would have done differently?
1: If, had I known that, you know, the attacks will be so strong, I mean, I would have kept my mouth shut. You would have. Yes. Because the price I paid is too high for me.
0: Wow. And I, okay. I
1: never You could never expect that if you say something controversial about the hero, national hero after 30 years of independence, that the reaction would be so powerful. And oh, so what? Soviet.
0: So I, Wow, powerful and Soviet, that's fascinating so the the Lithuania has left the Soviet Union, but the Soviet Union hasn't left Lithuania so to speak
1: yes i mean it doesn't it, i mean it doesn't dis- disappear so fast thirty years is nothing you need a couple of generations you know not 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 one generation
0: so it, i I want people to read the book but what are the what are the highlights what exactly did you say, and what was that huge pushback that made you uh receive such threats
1: uh uh i said about this national hero who was the one of the, uh, the anti-soviet partisans actually he was the most well known and uh, the most uh, ad- ad- admired and uh, i found his file in the in the kgb archives and they found uh, uh, the evidence that he he betrayed everybody who was hiding him 22 people then his last word in the court he was praising soviet union to the skies and that he was not trying to commit suicide. He was trying to commit suicide, but not tortured, which actually was not true after all. But I thought that maybe he's not a hero. Maybe it's just a tragic personality who broke, broke, broke down by the by by tortures of KGB. And that I said this, and next day, the whole Lithuania was full of of of, of uh, um, Facebook. Uh, I am I am this person. I am because I like. He's like Christ for Lithuanians you know he's a martyr. and then the former president of Lithuania, you know the man who, who who took us out of Soviet Union wrote op-ed where he said, "You so-called writer, you go to the forest, pray and condemn yourself." Wow And then they were in the, all all over all, all over internet my face was well with a
0: oh with the news
1: with the news yes. So then it was scary to come out to, 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 to the street
0: and this because all- somebody
1: might have helped me, you know, to do what the president said.
0: And this Lithuanian hero was, it, it was or still is considered a hero because ostensibly he was anti-Soviet, but you exposed the fact that as as we've now spoken a number of times, he was normal. He was, he was.
1: You know what they say? Like, it's very interesting when you read the KGB f- files, interrogation files of different people. If sometimes all Lithuanian historians read it and they are, their books are based on confessions, on, de- on testimonies. But when it's not, when it's about somebody who's a hero. So then you, everybody thinks, oh, he was tortured. That's why he said this. Hmm. So well, it's like double standards.
0: Well, also so- it, it, this is the case. It's come up a lot. Because of the war that's going on in Ukraine and the the, the very oh. tragic history that the Jewish people have had in Ukraine, would not particul- not relating to the war today, but but we look at that and and Ukrainians have also elevated um, and tremendously anti-Semitic heroes as part of because they oh. need something and, and as you said, thirty years isn't a long time. You don't have a long history. You have more time under Soviet occupation than you have uh, independent. But, so but
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, what I want to mention now, like my example, my example. What happened with me after sever- this, this few comments pushed back other historians not to write about the the partisan movement because
0: uh-huh. it's
1: just there is one book about you know the 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 partisan movement which is a little bit critical. It says that they they, they uh, the so-called partisans they murdered more civil is much more civ- uh, civilians than than soviet uh, soviet soldiers or something this book is like he was almost sent to prison this author so he wow. stopped writing there are subjects you shouldn't write about
0: and you learn that it's the dangerous. hard and you learn that the hard way you don't
1: but i think you know i i, I i'm not that strong that had i known that it's going to happen to me and finish my career and I'm going to lose so many friend, friends. I would say, why should, don't I stay silent as everybody else? You see? Just I'm about, like everybody else.
0: Just about Lithuania's heroes, would you still have gone on and, and, and investigated the Holocaust as you have? Yes. Okay.
1: Yes.
0: You can pull the two away. Now,
1: I mean, those 200,000 people, I mean, I feel them. They are there. And they have to, this is my army and I have to defend them, I have to commemorate them, I have to be with them. One partisan was a hero, wasn't a hero, who cares?
0: I see, okay. And the 200,000 people you're speaking of are the, the Jewish Lithuanians?
1: Yes, yes.
0: Okay. Um, you mentioned your career, you, you, you are a journalist and you, and you did lose everything. How much did you being a public figure contribute to the protests and threats against you?
1: There were nobody.
0: Meaning, meaning, what?
1: No, I mean like we have writers' union, and you know we have like different organizations. Many people, many artists or writers, that would come to me privately, and say, "Okay, we we, we support you. You are okay." And the priests, even until now, you know, private people would come, but nobody they would say, "I cannot even defend you on Facebook," because a lot of people would say, "You are defending this Putin's agent. You are defending this witch." you the, the the woman who makes money on jewish blood what not if you are a witch if you are pu- publicly uh, labeled as a witch people can come to you privately only they don't write it on facebook
0: but if you, you 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 had a public profile as a journalist before that and uh, for instance i don't i mean i do but not to the same extent i'm not a n- nationally known person anywhere but ha To what extent you being public did, as you were, did that make the threats against you more severe? Or if you had just been an average person like me who had made the comments that you did, would they have been the same, the threats?
1: You know, if you are a public figure and you look like a witch, you become important. Wow. Because the hatred of people, you know, or stress or hatred or anti-Semitism... Or many, many feelings are, have to be concentrated on somebody. And if you fit that stereotype and if you are good, you're going to stay. It's very hard to, to, to get, I mean, now like four years have passed since then. Five, four years. It's, you know, nobody attacks me on the street anymore. No, nobody spits at me. Sometimes very seldom there's somebody who says, Oh, you bloody witch and whatnot. But I can go to the shops, I can meet my friends. Even some of my friends came back to me. Okay. Course normally they in, in old times, even if they would stay friends with me, they wouldn't go to the restaurant with me. We would meet them only in private houses because they don't want their friends to see us together.
0: Interesting. Um so so, so
1: but you get used to it.
0: So people were spitting in the streets, were you ever physically assaulted?
1: No. I mean I Twice somebody tried to, to to assault me, but one man was too drunk and another was too old, so I managed to run away.
0: Thank so God for like being like you old mean. and drunk, okay.
1: Then <laughs> um, I went to Israel for three years. So then then you know, like time, nobody has seen me, nobody was writing about me, nobody was like like it, it, it faded away quite a, a lot.
0: No, why did you come to Israel of all places?
1: I had to go. I mean, I went to study. Uh, Judaism okay and uh, I almost converted wow almost so I studied for a couple of years okay and it was I had so many friends there I needed some love 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 and care Ah. (laughs) because here it's too difficult and my children were not here so I mean I just felt very very endangered very lonely And like you I mean how long you can live on antidepressants you know well but the thing is like like since then, I mean, I can write as many books as I want. No library would, would organize their, like book launch for me. No book. I mean, this is like
0: so your books are, are the, the new book, uh the new book, How Did It Happen, is that that was originally written in Lithuanian and was translated yes. last year.
1: No, is, no, we we wrote it in English with Dickman.
0: Oh, ah. So so is that, that that's not out in Lithuania? No, none of your books are still on, available?
1: Some of the books are in the, in the bookstore uh, shops, okay. in some. Not the big ones, but you can find them. You can buy them on internet. So it's not the total, it's not total ban. Okay. It's okay. It's up to like to the bookstore if they want to take my name, put my name there or not.
0: Got it. Okay. But nobody, nobody if they see your book in the bookstore... Nobody's going to come back the next day and throw a brick through the window uh,
1: I live on the fifth floor
0: i don't mean your i don't mean in your in your house I mean in in the store itself
1: i don't know i don't know okay. i don't know if you would, would go to the bookstore and ask you know can I buy a book of an The they would dance the would be we don't sell the books of this author
0: interesting l- l- let's speak about specifically the resistance that you got um there from from coming to terms with the Holocaust, uh, you, you obviously um, challenged a particular uh, Lithuanian hero um, who was a wartime hero partisan who wasn't a hundred percent clean and and uh, and what have you. But but how specifically did the pushback that you got from writing this book, Our People, and now the now the subsequent book, um, how did it happen? as it relates to the Holocaust and Lithuanians confronting their history. What was that like specifically?
1: Uh, you mean, put it more simple. I mean, what, what you mean exactly?
0: What was, what was the nature of the of the pushback or the resistance or the uh, threats that you got specifically from writing a book about the Holocaust? Oh,
1: uh, It's like, you know, there were two different reactions. The first book, our people, which we, we wrote to the in 2016, created a national scandal. And because of the title, I think it was first because of the title. Our wow. people. You see, our people, Jews are not our people, so, Mrs. Vanagait, okay? Because they are Jews. And murderers are not our people because they are murderers.
0: Wow.
1: So this was like putting these two words, it's a Lithuania one word, Musishki. That created such aggressivity that, first of all, I mean, we have the, the Department of national, national, national Security. So this department announced publicly that this book is a threat to national security. Wow. So, I mean, the book was, I think, you know, first 2,000 copies went out in 48 hours because everybody wanted to know what is all the scandal about. So and then I mean then they wanted to 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 start the 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 the, the court case with me but finally they didn't and wh- wh- why I want to mention this because in 3 years when I wrote another book with Dickman, this book was even strong I think it's even stronger than the first book because it tells everything everything I mean no questions left what how did it happen and there was total silence about this book no 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 threat national security no politicians would talk no journalists very few journalists would write a little bit and that was the right strategy because then people don't know this book came out got it it's not in the bookstores it's not nobody talks about it it's there so those people who read it they said it's wonderful but it's not a bestseller i see so right strategy silence is perfect
0: strategy. <laughs> but not if you're the publisher and want to make money um What what is the main pushback, the resistance today from Lithuanians addressing their history in the Holocaust?
1: I think, you know, there are some positive things, very few positive things. People know that Holocaust has happened. They know. Some people would think that, okay, Jews got what they deserve, but some people really feel sorry and really feel bad about it and if you go to mass murder sites nowadays you see a candle or you see a flower it wasn't like this 60 wow. years ago people you know holocaust was not important for for very many years and i think this book made holocaust a, a, a more important
0: well, put it on the radar important. you put it on the yes. radar yes Actually.
1: yes so but still if you say a word the jew or you say the word uh, holocaust people People freeze. I see. Because they don't know. I mean, it's a physical reaction, freezing. You know, it's like one of the three reactions you can, you can, uh, uh, the automatic reactions, fight, flee or freeze. So they are freezing and then they are either flee or they fight.
0: Got it. So, okay. So it is
1: In, in, in our national psyche and everybody's psyche, it's just very painful subject, a very dangerous subject. And you react very powerful in a very powerful way.
0: Well, again, so I'm
1: happy about it, but I mean, not so happy because it's still, it's still, we cannot acknowledge, we cannot accept it, we cannot admit that it's part of our history.
0: No, our but, history. But, but you're right, and one of the things that I took away, and I think that if Ryan must have taken away also, is that, again, before, before Lithuanian independence 30 years ago, you couldn't even have these conversations. I, I, I traveled in the Soviet Union. I visited specifically in in um in Kiev, Babiyar, and I remember the signs that my, my hosts there were translated and it said the Soviet citizens were murdered. It never said anything about Jews. So the fact that you now, I mean the fact that there's one mass murder site that one person visited and there are flowers, but that's maybe more than one that you I think that you've probably done something collectively that's helped pivot um, uh, Lithuanian identity so maybe in 30 more years people can approach it um, with less hostility and more introspection
1: yes and once you know this uh, generation of Soviet Lithuanians will be dead my generation who are like our grandmas and our church were saying that Jews are Jew is a devil and then Soviets said there were no Jews.
0: Right. Uh-huh.
1: So it's very hard <laughs> for us, you know. So we need my my children's generation will be different.
0: Okay, I look for I look forward to another conversation thirty years from now, uh, <laughs> and, and many more in between, God willing. Um, you, you so you lived here in Israel for thirty year for three years. You must have spent at least one of those years, maybe three, two or three, during Yom HaShoah, the the observance. Um, of Holocaust Memorial Day here. As a non-Jew, what's the significance of currently, and I'm speaking about this broadly in terms of why should non-Jews understand, learn, teach, and remember the Holocaust today for for current generations?
1: Because we have to be, as we grow up and become adult people, we, as a nation, we have to grow up and face the truth. You know, so when people were telling me that, why Lithuania should know about the Holocaust? Because they want to be heroes. They want to be victims. They want to believe that they are the best people in the world and the biggest victims and biggest heroes. But I mean, this is like, you believe in Father Christmas when you are 10 years old. But when you are 27 years old, you should stop believing in Father Christmas. You should open your eyes and see what your grand- grandparents did and what your country has done, and it makes you a mature person. I want that's my country it. to be a mature country, that's all. I don't want to go to England and, and you know, British people tell me about the Holocaust in Lithuania because they know, they have learned, and I know nothing. They say, oh, no, I mean, we are the best people. We didn't do anything bad. I mean, it's childish.
0: Well we have to
1: become mature, that's all. We have to we have to teach Holocaust in schools. Now we have forty five minutes, forty five minutes, one one lesson about the Holocaust in In the country, which was like. And some some teachers are telling me that you know it's very hard to teach because like it's too too difficult for children. It's too scary. We have to you know adjust it, make it less scary, and then they talk about the righteous about among the nations. (laughs) <laughs> Two hundred thousand people murdered, three thousand uh, saved. I mean
0: what would you say uh, to an average Christian, not a Lithuanian, someone who's listening now who who doesn't know much who knows about the Holocaust, didn't grow up in a country where it was where where the history or the reality of the holocaust was um uh, was denied or was hidden? But who doesn't know? What does what, what somebody who raised, who's raising their children today need to teach their children about the Holocaust?
1: You know, stop thinking that Holocaust means Auschwitz or Auschwitz means Holocaust. The Holocaust happened not in concentration camps. A lot of it happened when ordinary people, normal people, were doing the ordinary duties. They were asked to make a list. They made a list. They were asking to send the list somewhere. They asked him to pick a place. They asked to fence the place. They asked, you know, to, to to take people somewhere. They didn't know they were going to be murdered. They kind of didn't know. And then what about the property? Ah. Uh-huh. What about the property? And I would tell you that like people should look into their houses in Eastern Europe and should ask themselves, where is this? thing is coming from where this table is coming from
0: it's funny you say that
1: you you won't you won't throw away that stuff but i mean it makes you a better person if you think that it might have been taken from the from the place where the jews property was you know put well at least right
0: right at least except reality it's funny you say that because just yesterday we're having a conversation amongst my my wife and, and some of my children about maybe going to poland this summer to the town where my grandmother uh came from and there's a picture and uh, a young uh a Polish Christian man who with whom I've been in touch says the house is still standing and obviously some some Poles are living there and and the the legend in in that town is that people came from the east meaning the soviets came and and resettled others who weren't poles in the in in the homes of our of our relatives, and my wife was saying, "Well, you'll probably just want to go there and knock on the door of the people of the house where the people are living and tell them this is my house," and to, to be aggressive like, like like people would would accuse Afriyim Zurov. And I said, "No, I have no interest. I have very little interest in going there. I'm just kind of curious in a in a way. But um, but you're right. People do have to acknowledge you can't live life in a myth. Uh, but
1: on the other hand, it makes you." If you if you are aware of what has happened, it makes you much sadder person. Like now I, after I've written, you know, these books, I walk in Vilnius and they know where the synagogue was. Uh-huh. I know where the Jewish house was. I want I see the places where mezuzah was put. Yeah. And it's like for me, it's like a raped city where I you see. know were not living in, in in Vilna in our capital. They were living in the villages. This was a Jewish and Polish city. Oh, Polish were and Jews were murdered. So we come here from our potato fields, we go into nice houses, and we don't want to remember whose house is that.
0: Okay, that's very important. And our
1: houses in Vilnius, they don't have history.
0: I see, that's fascinating. I I want to take another quick break, but then come right back and, and, and talk about some of the highlights as we wrap up the conversation. In addition to inspiration from Zion, another Genesis 123 Foundation program, Run for Zion, is the first program uniquely for Christians, centered around the Jerusalem Marathon, creating meaningful and lasting experiences. We look forward to having you be able to join us in person soon, but now are offering you a way to connect from wherever you are in the world through virtual tours, webinars, and briefings. For information or to register, please go to runforzion.com. Join Run for Zion and bless Israel with every step. Again, Ruta, this is a, this is fascinating. I didn't really, I knew it was important to speak with you. And again, I want to give a plug for the book, uh, Our People, People Should Read It. Um, and, and I haven't read the your, your new book yet, How Did It Happen? But but I'm looking forward to, looking forward as much as one can look forward to reading a book about the Holocaust. Um, can you, i like to just come come through a, a few highlights. This is a cathartic book on many, many levels for you, for Ephraim Zurov, Uh, for for Lithuanian uh, identity. In your 40 days of traveling together, what what one or two, if you will, were, were the most gruesome of the mass murder sites that you came upon and why?
1: You know, I think there was one place with plenty of raspberries. I haven't seen so many raspberries in my life. And they say there's a poem that like, I think it's also in the book or a Russian poem that the, the, the sweetest uh, uh, berries are always in the, in, the, in the cemetery. And like, and I would say, I would say another thing, not from that book, but from the next book you're gonna read. I asked uh, Christoph Dickman about one of the legends because there are many post war legends that people say this happened and that happened. One of the legends every witness would tell us in Lithuania that after the mass murders, uh, the mass murder sites were moving for a week. The earth was moving. I thought, ah, oh, what are you talking about? And they asked Christoph Dickman. He said, yes, gases. Ah, uh, sure. And I couldn't. After that, we had to stop our conversation because I mean, it's it's true. I think that is some some uh, some picture in my mind that it's. I think it's the scariest moment, the scariest thing I ever encountered while while working
0: on this team. It's. It, it, thank you for for sharing that because anyone who's studied or or knows anything about the holocaust can picture piles of bodies, but when you speak about the after effect um that's very graphic uh i, I yeah thank you w- would you say that there's something whether relating to the holocaust or your- personal interaction with Ephraim or as a Lithuanian that was the most cathartic for you that changed you the most or was that would that have been something that,
1: no i would say that it was not a moment but it was the whole work on the on the holocaust is it changed me a lot it made me deeper and much much sadder because i know that ordinary human beings are capable to do horrifying things and the time hasn't changed anything like under some unfortunate circumstances this thing could be could happen again and Another thing, I was a lot thinking a lot about whether what would have been my position as a human being during uh. the Holocaust. Would I be bystander? Would I be righteous among the nations, saving the Jews? And I don't know. You don't know. I don't know. I don't know, and I I don't think I would have the courage to save the Jews. So it's also I discovered sad things about myself.
0: Mm. That's very that's very difficult. Uh, what can you maybe maybe you just answered the question. Um, but what did you learn that surprised you the most
1: i answered it
0: that was it okay.
1: normal normal people can normal. do horrible things
0: were there were there any one or two particular things that you learned about the jewish people judaism or the holocaust specifically um through the 40 days and writing our people
1: you, well I think more I learned when I was uh, living in Israel and meeting a lot of Jewish people. You know like it's I have never seen so many smart people in one place as I saw okay. in Israel. Okay. <laughs> I that was surprising. And mm-hmm. and like their stories and another thing that surprised me in Israel that people know Lithuania. When you sit at Shabbat table and they tell Kelm, Ponevich tells I mean nobody in Lithuania would think about it that the cities are so important and they were so Jewish and Jews all over the world speak about our little cities yeah and we don't know that history we don't know
0: right and that that that's by the way that's very important and that is mentioned in the book a few instances where where Ephraim would go and speak uh, and, and talk yeah. about the significance of these cities not as just sites of mass murder but of Of great Jewish learning. Yes,
1: yeah. But another thing I learned in Israel which made me also sadder because I really I tried to I mean I, I studied Judaism. I thought maybe I should convert and just forget my past and become Jewish. But so often I felt inferior. So often I felt sorry that I'm not Jewish. And I thought, What I'm trying to do? I'm not Jewish. And they will not I will not try to squeeze myself into the Jewish world just because they always they will always know that i'm not jewish so this inferiority in israel i i felt it almost all the time
0: well again this is only our first even though we feel like we've known each other it's only our first conversation um you remind me of something biblical when the uh when 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 moses sends the spies uh, to to scout out the land and and they come back and and, and make a statement that we were they, they, they were giants and we yeah. were grasshoppers. We looked like, we, we felt like grasshoppers. I, I don't think of you in that. I think of you, <laughs> you're not Jewish, but I don't think of you as inferior yeah. by any stretch. And I'm grateful. Uh, I think what you've done and, and you're standing with us and that's part of the purpose of, of inspiration from Zion and the Genesis 1, 2, 3 Foundation is noble. And that's what, important to highlight. So you you can think you're inferior all you want, I think you're, you're, uh, you're, uh, as the title of the book, Our People, you're one, of, you're one among us. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Thank now, you. you mentioned a few people did come positive and speak to you quietly in a positive, uh, positive way. Did you get any kind of broad positive feedback when, when our people came out?
1: Yes. Yes. When our people came out, there were people who were either very, very moved by the book, Or they're very hostile. So it's like Lithuania was split into two. And it was the funny thing was that people started fighting over the dining table. Wow. Eating, you know, like, I don't know, meal after funeral and they would fight over the book. So some people said, yes, the book is wonderful. And it really happened. And my grandma told me the stories. And some people would say it's all lies. It's all, you know, Jews paid for it. And there was no Holocaust. Wow. Or Jews got what they deserved, and then they were like, "Excuse me, I will have to believe in ten minutes."
0: Yeah. No, I just I want to just wrap it up as well. Uh, okay. I, you speak specifically. We we addressed it, but um, is one of the I, when I read the book, I, the, there there are dozens of times that I turned down a corner of the page to come and, and, and make a note because typically I was reading it on Shabbat and I don't use pen and paper mm-hmm. to write, so I came back to it. One of the the places. Early on in the book, page 53, you speak about the responsibility and even the culpability of the church and noted that most of the murderers attended church, believed in God, and you you expressed pity that they were so uneducated and many of them were illiterate. What's the message? I mean, you, you've said it, that it could happen again, but what other message, if any, is there that how do we prevent this in the future? Because many people hearing this conversation now won't know the depths of even what you've discovered, much less all of the rest of the Holocaust. So how do we prevent that and, and address the anti-Semitism that still exists?
1: Well, you know what I would say? Education, education, education. Okay. And another thing is part of education, My I think most important part, the Jewish people should open up. One of my very anti-Semitic friends who wouldn't read the book, she came to visit me in Israel and I, I brought her to a Russian Jewish family for Shabbat and I brought her to, 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 to the synagogue, to shul. She came after three days, she's a different person.
0: Wow.
1: She said, in, in the synagogue, I experienced such a catharsis, it was so beautiful and Shabbat is such a wonderful invention so maybe Jews are not so bad. <laughs> but I mean if every Jew in the world would invite a Gentile, anti-Semitic Gentile to Shabbat once or twice. Things would be different. All
0: right. So you you, you start you start working on the list of anti-Semitic Gentiles and we'll <laughs> see what we can do about that. But I, I love that you said that because it really is kind of a great way to to conclude this conversation relating to the, the mission of the Genesis 123 Foundation, which is to build bridges between Jews and Christians. And I don't specifically look to approach people who are anti-Semitic but as I, I was in the US recently and met a, uh, a state legislator in, in Kentucky who had made a very sad anti-Semitic comment and apologized. He didn't know that he was saying something that was so anti-Semitic or how it would have been received. And as a result, he um, he and I developed a very lovely friendship, but he's not an anti-Semite. He just, he his word, he just said, I'm ignorant. I don't know yeah so what we try and do with genesis 1 2 3 is even among people who are ignorant and don't know and among Christians who love us unconditionally but also don't know is mm-hmm. just to build um these bridges and and root your converse our conversation today and your book and I and I would can say books even though I haven't read the second one is is so important and I'm so grateful in general specifically this week as we observe Holocaust Memorial Day here in Israel and around the world, and try to do so in a different way, not not specifically with the uh, memory of the suffering. There's plenty of that. And and anyone who wants to get a book and read about suffering, feel free to email me and I'll give you a whole long list of of books that speak about the suffering, but your Mm -hmm. book is enlightening, it's it's redemptive. And, And I think that if we wanna take this to a generation, that in a generation, there'll be no more Holocaust survivors uh, living among us. And as you spoke about your children, my children, the ch- children of those listening, we need to we need to educate. And, and this is a great conversation. Um, before I wrap up, Ruta, is there anything else that you'd like to add that I didn't cover? I
1: just, I want to tell you that I will be with you, my dear Jewish friends we will be on the Yom HaShoah. I will be standing still. There won't be sirens in Lithuania, but I will be standing still for those two minutes and staying with you.
0: It means a lot. And you also learn how long two minutes really is uh, when you do that. Uh, Ruta, this has been delightful. Uh, I'm, I'm grateful that, that I've had the privilege of reading your book and getting to know you and, and grateful for you. Um, I just want to wrap up for, for the listeners and just say as we begin the conclusion that if you've stayed with us this long, you certainly deserve uh, to, to be an active part of the conversation. People who've been following inspiration from Zion this year know that the Genesis 123 Foundation has been offering a special gift every month. Uh, this month, April, we already committed to be giving giving out one of our very special pieces of art, what we call the Inside Out Mezuzah. And people who want information about that um, can can email me or go to our website. Uh, but but next month, I'm going to commit, Ruta, that we're going to be giving a, a, another copy of your book in the month of May. Uh, so And all we're asking is that people, in order to be eligible to receive a copy, is uh, to go to the Inspiration from Zion social media and follow and like and share this program. And when you do, we will pick one person at random to receive a copy of your book. Um, we're really grateful that this podcast is sponsored by our friends at the Willow Run Greenhouse in Culpeper, Virginia. And I always say if you go and if you're in the area, pop in and thank them and give them a hug uh, in addition to seeing some beautiful flowers. Uh, and thank you, thank them for helping make programs and conversations like this possible. And also thank you to the Coyne family for their meaningful sponsorship. Inspiration from Zion and all the Genesis 123 Foundation programs are made possible by donations. So please consider joining us to help continue the dialogue and build bridges. If you'd like to sponsor a future episode in honor or memory of a loved one or a special occasion, please be in touch with us at Zion at gmail.com. And we love to always hear your comments and questions as part of a dialogue and invite you to send any questions specifically about Judaism for our Ask the Rabbi programs. Please do share this with others who will also find it of interest and continue to join us right here as we bring you more meaningful conversations about topics relating to Israel that you won't hear anywhere else. Wherever, wherever you are in the world, I pray that you and your loved ones are all safe and healthy and send my blessings from right here in the Judean Mountains. Thank you and God bless you.